Many of our listeners know that we believe that ABM and the challenger sale go hand in hand. And it's because ABM to us is not about sourcing the pipeline. It is about how are we going to win with those tier one accounts that are not responding to campaigns. How are we going to accelerate accounts that are stuck to revenue? How are we going to get that higher deal size? How are we going to continue after the sale to get the customer to evolve and to expand? This requires us to teach for differentiation. It requires us to tailor for relevance. It requires us to come to each interaction with our future customer and our existing customers with a point of view about their business so we can reframe them. This is especially important in industries like cybersecurity where companies are investing in cybersecurity solutions. It's where are the gaps? How are we going to fill these gaps? What is the impacts in this solutions in listening solutions, especially now in this time where we are focusing on retaining employees. Enterprises have listening solutions. Many of them have been using it for 10 years plus. How are we going to get them to change? And the problem we see is that companies or sales and marketing teams cannot come to every interaction with a point of view about the business because they don't have a point of view about their own business. How they are differentiating themselves, the stance that they take, the position they take is off. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. My guest is David Breyer. In fact, he's an author. He's helped cybersecurity company, we're gonna talk about later, rebrand themselves to really show the gaps they filled. David, thank you for joining the show. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Before we get started, uh, do you want to do a brief intro of who you are and the companies you've helped and how you've helped them? Yeah, totally. I mean, basically what I've been, I've been, I started out in New York City. That's where I'm from. And the, and I've been doing branding companies for 42 years. Um, and uh, I mean, many, many people probably know, know before I created the know before brand. Um, there's, there's many brands in the tech space and many other spaces. I, I actually just help companies geographically everywhere and in all various types and places. But essentially, the, res- the end result has been in excess of $7 billion in actual generated revenue for clients around the world. Um, you know, some going from startup to unicorn in eight years and others to just they lost their touch and or they were boxed, they were put in a box. Oh, you're the blah, blah, blah company when that now only represented 15 or 20% of their revenue, right? That was the old them. And they just didn't own their narrative as they evolved. So as a result, um, they, you know, they they ended up having to, at a certain point, kind of go, uh, we need to refresh. We need to like rebrand ourselves because nobody really knows who we are 
where we are today and where we're headed in the next 25 years. Yep. Perfect. Which is what we're going to talk about today is how I'm going to own that narrative, which to me comes down to the point of view. And I see companies, I even see experts getting this wrong. There was a post by Sangram that I respect a lot. Uh, my partner, Christina John Miller, respects a lot. We have his books. But he was talking about giving another company, Kulif, a point of view. But it was about how the point of view wasn't a point of view. It was a big idea theme, which is a difference. Because to me, a point of view is I'm taking a stance, not a theme that just puts in, here. we're going to have this content, article content, podcast, and everything that's going to be built around. And you need that theme. But to me, a point of view is taking that stance. To me, it's where I'm going to differentiate. I see companies getting this wrong all the time. But what? how are we getting it wrong? Why are we getting it wrong? And I like to focus a lot on the why. Totally. Well, basically what happens is, is especially in the tech space, companies are so accustomed to going down the, hey, let's talk about our specs and let's, let's basically nerd out. And that, and that's not a narrative that is relevant and it's not a narrative that will separate out what you're talking about from others. So, and that's where we, any company in the, in, in the space of technology, they've got to take a pulse on, okay, what is the white noise that I'm going up against? Because companies every day, they're solving their, they're solving their needs using some type of technology. Where are they going? How are they going? Well, what are, what's the dialogue? What's the stuff that, that everyone's having? Because if we don't take inventory of that and acknowledge that and own that, essentially we actually inherit what the industry has already been talking about for five or 10 or 15 or 20 or more years. So we inherit the baggage. And unless we reframe, unless we say, wait a second, no, no, no. Here's what we're actually talking about. You know, and and I mean, one of my favorite examples is just one that everybody knows. It's like when Steve Jobs came back to Apple and they were, re, they were reframing how they were talking about everything and really reclaiming their narrative. I love the fact that, you know, everyone was like, oh, my God, the iPod. This is before the iPhone, before the iPad, the iPod revolutionary. Item. It was an MP3 player. OK, <laughs> and it wasn't the fir- wasn't the first MP3. I think it was the fourth. I think there were others. There was like I think it was Ryko and this, that, and that several others. And so, but they, but Apple didn't come along and do what the big mistake didn't say, oh, well, they got X amount of, of, of megabytes or gigabytes in memory. We have more. No, they spoke in a language that actually nobody was speaking about. It was like, what was it? It was a thousand songs in your pocket. That was, that was a, a narrative that they could own and immediately put them in a new category of, oh, I mean, because if anybody who loves music, and believe me, I love music. I still have 700 CDs. I'm still unwilling to throw away in my office. And so how much is a thousand songs? How big would, in my pocket? I mean, you just, you just, you just like, what? You just completely just changed everything. You changed space, time, convenience. And so that, so we have to own that narrative. Yep. And that's what's not happening. For example, one of our clients, a, da- a digital asset management provider, a DAM provider, they were, when they were first coming to us, they were like, 
we want to talk about omnichannel. We're like, that's a theme. That is not your point of view. When we start to look into Garner reports and Forrester reports, and I see that their competitors, Sitecore, doesn't integrate well outside their own ecosystem. Adobe, that enterprise will go to. Again, it doesn't integrate outside their own ecosystem. And I start seeing where the different integrations are going wrong. And this is where one of the strong points is. I see saw reports on how most DMs are not integrated across the enterprise. It's departmental and everyone focuses on the pains of marketing and that's where it stays. However, content impacts HR. You have these retention programs. It impacts customer experience. We have AR, VR now. So all that needs to be fed. It is your customer service. You have those self-service platforms. Well, how can I create that journey? So it impacts a whole lot more, but everyone's focusing on these marketing pains instead of that real issue. Where is it, those integration gaps? Where are those impacts across the organization? And how can we more align with the strategic priorities? Like you said with the Apple, with the music, you're aligning with the consumer, but same thing in the business. Yeah. Instead of the pain points, how am I aligning with those priorities of that target organization? And yeah. that's where they're going wrong. It's, you said the features, the benefits, the specs, when it really should be about the gaps and the impacts. Yeah, and 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 what what will what will life and business be like going forward? What will be the things that you can now do with this resolve? You know what what's what can what can't you not even envision or even tackle or even prioritize because you're still dealing with this other crap? Well, what happened? What 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 with that fixed? What can you now do? What will be the next implications? So it's got to it's got to align itself to the future. It's got to align itself to a transformation that you're bringing about. That in the absence, without us here, this is what you're going to still be. Right? I mean, right there, you could literally marry pain point with benefit if if you know how to structure your story and structure your your the way you're pitching what you're providing. But you could say with this thing out of the way, what will you now be able to do? And you take a prospect on that journey, they'll go, holy shit, we didn't realize, oh my God, we, we've been so focused on this thing that's been keeping us, you know, awake at night and like, you know, working all hours of the day and da 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 We didn't even like look at what could be with that resolved. So that all of a sudden introduces an entirely new conversation. Yep. Or they didn't look at the unconsidered gaps because everyone focuses on what everyone else is thinking is what's keeping them up at night versus what really should be keeping them up at night. Because that is a totally different conversation that most people do not focus on. They're yeah. thinking about what they are keeping them up at night. Everyone's focusing on intent data and it's like, oh, they're reacting to this. This is their problem. It's like, well, why are they looking at that intent data? What is going on in that organization and what are they not thinking about? Because everyone else, I think, 
at least 70% of B2B technology companies are using intent data platforms like Bombora, Sixth Sense, and all the others. So everyone's now using that. It's not a competitive advantage. But the competitive advantage is how am I now going to see why they what why they are looking and finally figure out what are they not considering? Because that's the conversation that I need to be part of. That's where I need to talk about. And that's where those gaps are. That's where the impacts. That's where we start to teach to differentiate. Yeah. Because it's not about claims. And as you keep mentioning, it's the stories. To me, if we are teaching for differentiation, the prospect themselves need to come to the conclusion themselves, how they are, I mean, how you are different. Instead of you making the claim, it's they come to it based on how you guide them and own the narrative. Right. And one, and one of my favorite things is I, I love correcting. I love correcting a, a wrong question because many times when you're, when you're discussing, when you're discussing, this is a specifically in a sales context, but it can absolutely be applied to any aspect where your story lives, whether it's in a pitch deck, whether it's in a, whether it's in a, a you know, advertisements, articles, presentations, whatever. But I love when someone says, well, should we do this or should we do this? And I said, well, actually, you're asking the wrong question. It's not a matter of this or that. The real question is, da 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 And all of a sudden they go, oh. In other words, it's our job to actually, prospects are not going to come to new conclusions based on old information. They're coming to the, to the party with only the information they've been exposed to up until that very moment, which is everybody else's stuff. Every, every, every other competitor, it's every, they're coming to now with that. It's up to us to pivot, up to us to restructure, up to us to recalibrate. It's like, they go, well, well should I do that? Da, da, da. No, actually, that's completely the wrong question. What you should be asking is, blah, 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 blah. And, and if you're on your game, they'll go, Holy crap, you're totally right. I, we, we've been looking at the entire wrong thing. And, that, and that's the power of really knowing when you're on your game and you're paying attention, owning where it's going. And if it's going, and if it's freaking going down a, a cul-de-sac of stupidity, AKA a dead end. <laughs> it's like, you go, okay, all right, let's fix it. You know, we can fix that. Yep. Well, we worked with the company Winnow, a digital advertising technology company. And if you look at every digital ad tech companies, they all talk about wasted ad spend and how they're going to fix it. Winnow wanted to reach out to QSRs, and this was happening right before the pandemic. And <clears throat> when I was looking through their process, and they did this in other industries, including the car industries. They would bring the ad spend way down. They would try to focus on relevance and hitting the right people. And then what they would do is tie it to the profitability. So now if we want to get at least 10% more, here's what we have to do with our spend. So we are now tying ad spend to profitability. And if QSRs, their margins are short. Their margins are slim. They know they have to spend. They know they're wasting. So it's not new information. It's just everyone is saying the same thing. So it's not, 
what am I going to believe? It's like, oh, you're telling me that you can fix this, but everyone else has said this, and we've wasted all this ad spend. Come to me the new approach. Show how you're going to align with me. Yeah. The pandemic hit, and then all of a sudden we had to change again to pivot the story because it's no longer about getting foot traffic. It's about how are we going to protect? How are we going to drive them to get the come here and stay loyal to us and use the drive-through and they have all those other options. So we focused on companies that have invested in uh, improved uh, point of sale solutions. Like one, one of the QSR chains, their POS system had data going back to the last five orders. I was able to recall for them customers. Well, there's a lot of data right there that we can use to really do a loyalty campaign to bring them in. So it's now, how are we using that data to improve? And again, it's doing the gaps and that is where it's not being told. So when we talk about that differentiation and creating the narrative, what are we missing when either branding firms or the marketing departments try to do it themselves, what are the steps they're missing? Or what are the elements that they're not thinking about when they are trying to create this differentiation narrative? Well, one thing I'm going to touch upon, which is very key. First of all, it's understanding because, because I've seen it happen and it's a disaster. When I, I've, seen, I've seen CEOs say, hey, you know, oh, damn, we, we, need to, we need to fix our brand. Let, let's go to marketing and having them have them do that. No, it's the exact same reason that I'm not going to, I'm not going to go to the car repair shop for lunch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you get the wrong people doing the wrong thing. So the thing is, is if, and here's, and here's the three pillars that have to be crystal clear. Okay. Everyone's looking at the finish line. We need more sales, need more customers. Da, 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 that's where okay. If we understand that sales is, Harvesting of the uh, harvesting the seeds planted. If we understand that, we will actually then understand that the, every sale has had two specific actions that preceded it. Two things that preceded every sale, not some or most, every. So here's what happens, and and this is proven by the fact that the best brands in the world, they don't have an army of sales teams. They're just they're just people are just showing up ready to buy, not compete, not haggling on price. So here's the thing, harvesting the seeds planted. Okay, good. Well, there's this thing that comes before that. That's called marketing. Job of marketing is not to define what those seeds are. It's just simply to get those seeds out as offers and awareness, et cetera. That's the job of marketing. They're in the job of execution, doing. Prior to that though, we need to define what the hell are these seeds? Why should anybody give a damn about these seeds? How are these seeds not unlike the other seeds that are out there in this space? That's the job of branding. So branding is its own is its own pillar and its own activity, separate from which then hands off and gives that in, information and that narrative, the story, the assets, all those things to marketing, which then gets it out, which then results in a sale. Boom, boom, boom. Those are the three points. If we have that clear, then, we, then things start to become very, very simple and manageable. Most companies make the mistake that it, that's made. It's, it's why when a date goes really wrong, like two people going out for a meal and they're meeting for the first time, 
The biggest mistake is when that you're meeting that person for the first time and they're like, hey, let me tell you all about me. <laughs> let me tell you, let me tell you what I'm interested in, the clothes I like to wear, you know, when I like to go wake up, what, what my daily regimen is like, what the music that I love, the movies that I that I hate, uh, the books that I read, da, 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 that check cannot come fast enough if you're sitting across from a person and all they're doing is talking about themselves. There's no interaction. So we must realize as brands that the pathway to our customer's front door doesn't start at our front door with us talking, hey, here we are, here's why we matter, here's the this, here's the that. No, the, that actual pathway to their front door starts at their front door with the, the pains, the problems, the challenges, the aspirations, the objectives that they have that are most real and that concern them most. If we're intelligent about it, if we're ingenious about it, and we recognize that, now we can actually do it in an ingenious way. And to, again, not just becoming an echo chamber where we're regurgitating what everybody else has been saying. How do we do it ingeniously? How do we do it in a way that differentiates our offer from all the other offers? And because if we're not differentiating, we're using cliches. And if we're using cliches, we're redundant. And if we're redundant, we have to compete on price. We become expendable. We become replaceable. The worst thing we could do is be redundant. The worst thing we could do is use cliches. So differentiation is our power. Differentiation is the thing that enables people to go, oh, and how do we differentiate? We connect dots that others aren't connecting. We put this with this and all of a sudden they go, oh, I had no idea that was possible. We're not taking people to that point of, damn, I didn't know that. Wow. Hadn't thought of it in that way before. If we don't, if we're not consistently doing that, we're just going to be pitching, trying to out feature our closest competitors, lowering price, doing the race to the bottom, doing all the various stupid things that are, that are band-aids. Those are actually pleas for help. Those are white flags of, yeah, we don't know what the hell we're doing and we're, we're grasping at straws. We're hoping. And I think it starts from that they're not starting with their existing customers. When clients come to us for our ABM services, yeah. they'll start talking about, oh, we have this list of 25 accounts that we want to get into. That's right. And the first thing I'm saying is like, well, now let's go back and we're going to go back to your existing accounts. Because I need to understand the story. Not what you're putting in case studies, because most case studies is, here's a small challenge, a small paragraph of a challenge. Here's a list of the tactics that we've completed that everyone else can. And then here's the results. So it's more of a credibility builder than I can use in a some conversation. It's like, I need to get that story. I need to understand if they use another solution, why they need to change, what happened. Because I need to understand those competitor-specific gaps. So I can teach for differentiation. I yeah. need to understand where the, all the gaps were. Where were all the impacts across the company? I need to understand how your approach was different. How they were impacted. How did it impact operations? How did it impact finance? How did it impact customers? IT. Where were all those positive impacts? So we get that whole complete story. And to yeah. me, it starts with the customers, but that's not where they're starting. It's like, I need to go back. I need to, in fact, I like to try to expand those accounts. Well, let's work those interactions. Let's make sure we have the right stories and make sure they're acknowledging the impact 
and then show how they can evolve because then I can apply that to new acquisition. So to me, it should start with existing customers yeah. because then you get those insights. You see exactly what happened and why. Yeah. And, but it's also being inquisitive enough to, to take that and go, are there questions and points that we're not discussing that should be being discussed? Because oftentimes, you know, there's the, there's the box of the usual, the usual suspects of top, the things we're going to talk about, the features we're going to talk about, the problems we're going to solve, which everybody has already trampled on a gazillion times. Yep. So it's like, is there, is there something that we're not talking about that we should be talking about? And if we have that kind of accountability in those dialogues, man, that's powerful. Yeah, and that and it starts with existing customers because a lot of times you can also see: do you is the perspective of what you're communicating is it actually being realized? Yeah. If not, then you we have that alignment issues. So if that tells you a lot right there that should guide that messaging that we move forward with. Yeah. Which to me is your branding. It is your marketing, it is your sales, it's your customer success teams working together to really understand that narrative. Yeah. And talking about, as you mentioned before, reframing, as we're coming to the end of the podcast, and I alluded to it, I said before that cybersecurity companies, I all enterprises have a cybersecurity solution. They're protecting their data. So it's not like you're creating demand for a new category because that's where my investment is. Now, how am I going to take the business away from a competitor that may be take using a status quo approach? How am I going to get more market share? Which means I can't be saying the same thing. Right. We worked with a positioning and messaging firm uh, to build, drive more business for them as well, using our ABM services. And one of the things that he used to do was a positioning map. And he used to show within BI, business intelligence, cybersecurity, where the, the key themes were, what people were talking about. And it's basically the same, just different words. But right. it's basically coming down to the same ideas. Nothing is new. Now, I know that because you posted on LinkedIn, it's one of the reasons uh, that we actually be on the podcast, along with seeing what people's thoughts about point of view being a big idea theme versus a stance. You helped a company, a cybersecurity company, rebrand, and really differentiate. And it was based off a 70-year-old document. Can you talk about that story? Absolutely. I, I love the story. So, so the interesting thing is, is, so, you know, we knew that, so the, the, the company has been Komodo. And uh, next week at the Black Hat event in, uh, in Vegas, is uh, it's all, that's when it all like comes full blown. Uh, but the bottom line is they, they had come to us and they said, you know, we need a rebrand. And we we're like, okay, we, we, we did a little, a little investigation. It was like, yeah, yeah, you do. Um, and so 
and you know, many people know, you know, I, I created the Know Before brand, which you know became a unicorn in eight years, and and many other tech companies that I've that I've done. So they were like, okay, let's 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 engage you guys to do this. What happens is is we start doing our homework. It's the first place we start. We start like going, okay, what what's happening here? We find out that this every we find out a few different facts that are very interesting. One is is that every cybersecurity solution today is based on detect and respond. That means it has to detect the malware or the ransomware and then respond to that. If it doesn't detect it, it can't respond, can't do its job. Hmm, okay, interesting. That's what everyone's doing. Anytime I see everyone doing it, I'm going, okay, let's let's, let's investigate further. Then I observe a few other facts. One is, Cybersecurity in the actual money allocated for cybersecurity solutions is going up and up and up and up and up, where companies are spending millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars to act for cybersecurity solutions. At the same time, cybersecurity cyber incidents is going up. You know, wait a second. This is that's you know, you never expect that kind of thing. You know, you, we expect governments to be that stupid financially. We don't expect companies to be that stupid financially. <laughs> so we go, wait a second, they're spending more to protect, but incidents or the number of incidents are going up. And then lastly, we discovered that 66% of organizations globally have had an, an incident, an actual threat. That literally has resulted in billions, with a B, billions of dollars in actual losses. Um, now. So we take all those various things. Now we look at this other thing. Alan Turing, the father of computer science, 1936, wrote a paper. And he called it uh, the, the, the halting problem. Basically, the bottom line is, is there was a mathematical impossibility. An algorithm cannot detect another algorithm that has not been actually activated. An in other words, an algorithm can actually exist indefinitely in stealth mode, undetected, indefinitely to the ends of the, they will it will outlive the cockroaches and the bottom line is is that is exactly what all malware is based on and all ransomware is based on hence the detect and respond well these guys actually had a different solution instead of detect and respond and i won't get into it but it's a patented solution and they have two years of actually being implemented zero zero vulnerabilities Zero threats. Because even when you handle 99% of cybersecurity, uh, oh, we, we handle 99% of your stuff. That still leaves 300,000 vulnerabilities. That 1% equates to 300,000 vulnerabilities. So we looked at all these facts, and then we actually completely repositioned the whole narrative, talking about the factor of the power of zero unleashed. And we talked about the fact that everything up till now has managed to ignore a 70-year-old paper written by the father of computer science and which actually is the playbook for malware and ransomware and how to actually implement it successfully which people do who are not on the nice side of the ledger of being actually nice and productive and they simply want to just be criminal about it so that changed how we're talking about it. so we're not just talking about hey oh we have a better side no we we are actually the existing system is broken. The existing cybersecurity solutions are using something that is seven decades outdated because they managed and chose to ignore a fundamental mathematical impossibility.
And that was how he completely changed the narrative and what they're talking about. Gave them a brand new name. Now it's, it's Exidium. Went from Komodo to Exidium. And the power of zero unleashed. And, you know, and we have headlines such as like adversaries get used to disappointment, you know? And it's like, so the thing is, is it's a, a brilliant system. It is going to revolutionize. I'm, I never want, I'm, I never want to introduce a revolution as an evolution. If you freaking have innovated, own the fact that you've innovated, but now frame it so that it actually can be understood as the breakthrough that it is, that there's an entirely new way to actually change. So you don't have to use these old antiquated things and be happy with your 99%. Yep, and it comes down, again, I'm teaching you. It's like, here's what's happening. Here's the proof. Here's the business case behind it. You can use emotional stories. So it's, how am I using this narrative? But it's reframing them. Reframing the status quo that is using detection and response. Yep, exactly right. And exactly. then you can start to talk about a new way. But if yeah. we talk about it, if we go to the challenger, it is, I am making that personal relevance. I'm building an emotional connection. I am I'm making the business case. I am reframing. Showing a new way and talking about your solution is last, but I am getting them to change their thoughts and ideas. This is what's happening under this detection and response. And you, as you just said, look at all those stats. Spending is going up. So is incidents. Something is going on. What is happening? Well, here's your gap. Everything is built based on this concept, which was already proven wrong. But yeah. what, what all these other companies, all these other platforms are still trying to fight algorithm with algorithm. And yeah, they're trying that detection, but you can't detect them. And this, this is why, this is what's happening. This is what's happening with your cybersecurity teams. And here's what could be. So it's teaching for differentiation. And once you know that differentiation, now you could come to each prospect with a point of view about their business, about what they're using, currently using, what what is going on in their business? What is happening and why? You can come to that point of view, but you can't come to a point of view without having that initial foundation. You can't come to a point of view about your, the client's businesses without a point of view on your own business. That's right. You can't, and ABM is about coming to that point of view. It is about making that connection with the human buyers one-on-one -on -one within the target accounts. Otherwise, you're just doing demand check. To us, ABM is really making that connection. And you can't do that without having the foundation. That's why we always go back to and build a foundation first. Like, okay, let's go back to your differentiation. Let's go back to your point of view. Let's make sure that that is optimized and on point. So when we do go to target accounts, we're relevant and on point with them. You just can't without having that initial point of view. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. It guides everything to me. It's yeah. that, I, I can't, I can't come to your business and tell you about your business, if, except for what everyone else is doing, features and benefits and general benefits and giving the same information as everyone else if you're not going to have that foundation. 
Yeah. But David, yeah. I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for sharing this case study and our information as we focus on creating a point of view, really taking a stance because that case study, that's taking a stance. That isn't just having a theme. Yes, your theme on that zero threat, good thing. That's your big idea theme. But the stance itself, the point of view is how the old approaches are not working. And it's mathematically impossible for it to work. That is a, that is a point of view. While the others, so the point of view supports your big idea theme, but we need that stance. So I want to thank you for coming and we talk about building a point of view, building your differentiation and sharing the case study. Totally my pleasure. Totally my pleasure, man. I appreciate it. How can our listeners get in touch with you and learn more? Yeah, totally. The simplest way is they can certainly go to risingabovethenoise.com. That's R-I-S-I-N-G, risingabovethenoise.com. And you, there's, there's tons of examples, case studies. There's a free book that they could do. And they can also they can also grab my book Brand Intervention if they and if they haven't grabbed it Damon John from Shark Tank wrote the forward to it. It's it's literally three and a half decades of the exact points that I've used to build companies around the world, no matter their in industry, no matter their market. It you know the it's it's the, the wonderful thing about if you really understand branding, it's like. Brandy doesn't care what industry you're in, what space you're in, who you serve. It's kind of like music. The musical scale doesn't change just because you're playing jazz or you're playing hip hop or you're singing a ballad. The musical scale is still the same, right? And so you go, okay, oh, okay. It's that if you get that, you can then do whatever the hell you want. So that's the that's the thing. So certainly brand intervention and people can certainly reach out to me on LinkedIn. And that's where I do share an incredible amount of stuff. The case study, the case in point that you actually saw. Yep. And our listeners can also go to personalabm.com where you'll see this interview as well as our other podcasts. We do have other podcasts as well on building that strong point of view. And go to personalabm.com. Go to the resources, you'll see our ABM Done Right podcasts. You'll see the podcast that Christina and myself have been on, on others, and you'll see our articles. Again, David, thank you very much. 100%. Thanks so much, Eric.